Welcome to Deck Picks Podcast. This is a podcast where a group of friends gets together to talk about their commander decks, how we built them, how they played, and what we might change in future decks. If you want to know more about the deck that we're talking about today, take a look at our Moxfield account where we share the deck list as well as all of the suggestions that we talk about. Want to hear more about how our games are going and what cards may have made the difference in the win? Follow us on some of our socials at Deck Picks Pod. Now let's jump in. Right. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Deck Deck Picks Podcast. I can't even say the name. It's been so long. It's we been too long. We've done this in, in a little while. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, our holiday decks. A few other things. We're just kind of we're playing it loose tonight um, uh, because it's a new year, new us, and so we're just going to kind of talk about where we're at and and kind of how our event went. So. Um, joining me tonight is um, I'm going to just have you guys recap your holidays. So, you know, I, if you want to give it out an out of 10 rating or something that you did, whatever. Martin, how was your holiday? I'd, I'd give my holiday a solid eight and a half, nine. The wife and I took a trip to Vegas, uh, did a little bit of the non-magic gambling. Um, that was a good time. Uh, we hosted our first uh, family gathering in our new house, so that was a success. Um, we Were got you guys there. A... I, w- I wasn't there. Oh, oh it, it was my it though. was my uh, other family. Oh, uh, sure, sure, yeah. Um, we had a great Christmas event that I'm sure we're going to talk about more. So overall, so yeah, it was really yeah. successful, and here we are. Good, good, Nicholas. Um, yeah, it was a it was definitely an interesting holiday for me. Um, about a week before my holiday, my son, who's two and a half, had appendicitis, so that kind of uh, derailed us a little bit. Um, but he's great. He's good. He's back to normal. Um, had a great event with with the boys with our our deck exchange. Um, always good to get together with family too. It's always a little chaotic around the holidays with you know going everywhere, but it's good. Glad to be in twenty twenty four now. Over the new and year, Aaron. Yeah, my I would say my holidays were were pretty good. Uh, the deck the deck event went great. Um, holidays were fine with family and stuff like that, seeing everybody. And I don't really I'm I'm usually the screw to the family. I don't really care for Christmas too much. I just would rather just see people that I love, and I got to do that. And people yeah, got you, to get you presents. You tried to cancel so. Christmas in your house, so um, it was successful. With the squishy floor, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, because you guys yell at me if I don't answer myself, it was a good holiday time. Um, Went back home three or four times in five days. So that was always a joy. Um, But we survived. We moved through the week after Christmas. It's always a busy week at work for me. So that was also just a really interesting experience as always um but enough about that boring stuff and you know the nice feel good holiday family stuff um we're gonna just kind of talk about the decks that we made and the decks that we received so to give a little bit of a backstory on exactly how we came about this um this year we did a deck secret santa um we had eight people participating we uh had a random name generator 
that I found online because not getting everybody together to draw names would have been impossible. Yeah. Um, I mean, Aaron tried canceling the one night that we figured out <laughs> would work for everybody. We had eight out of eight signed up, and then Aaron tried saying, mm, "I don't know if I can make it." Because, Was that good for you know, everyone? Whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we got everybody. Everybody drew a name. We set a budget of fifty dollars, um, and we figured that it, it was a range of forty to fifty dollars. Um, we figured everybody was going to include a deck box of some kind and sleeps of some kind. That was kind of all rolled into there. Um, and the way we run our budgets is just kind of, you know, within reason. Like if you've got a stock of basic lands, we generally don't count lands um, unless you're doing something super special with it in that total. Um, and, you know, occasionally people slide in a couple of cards from their collection in. Um, and so I think was kind of trying to do the math of who had who and and i think that for the most part we're gonna have um we're gonna have everybody represented um in one way either by a deck that they gave or a deck that they received um and so we'll just kind of go around the horn and just kind of talk about um starting off with like Martin, I'll start with you because you built like three or four decks for this Christmas deck exchange. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I figured that that'd be a good place to start just talking about like how you decided to build the deck that you eventually built. Um, and if you have any highlight cards or like kind of what your thought process was in building that deck. Yeah, so like you mentioned, I did end up building two Christmas decks. Um, the first one I did keep for myself. Uh, the first one was Gorian, Wise Mentor. He is a three cost, three four. He is a Plains, Island, and um, Forest. For a Vigilance, whenever you cast an adventure spell, you may copy it and you may choose new targets for the copy. So the entire deck, and when I say entire, it, it runs 35 lands and then 44 adventure spells. It is almost entirely all adventures. And I ended up keeping that deck simply because it was a really unique play experience. And I wanted to keep enjoying it. I had ran it a couple of times online just to get a feel for it. And decided it was something that I wanted to keep playing. The other deck that I ended up building that I actually gave away out of the kindness of my heart. Uh, was Commissar Servina Rain. It is a colorless, a plains, and a swamp for a 2-2 legendary creature that says whenever it attacks, each opponent loses X life, where X is the number of attacking creatures. And then I can pay two colorless, sacrifice another creature, gain two life, and draw a card. So the whole premise of this deck is you want to pump out a bunch of tokens, and then when you swing, all your opponents are going to lose the amount of life that you have for tokens that are attacking. So the, the types of cards that you're going to see in it, for instance, are called the Copper Coats, two colorless and a plains that says choose any number of target opponents, create X, one, one white human soldier creature tokens, where X is the number of creatures those opponents control. You've got uh, one of my favorite cards, which is not showing up now so that's awesome but i can tell you a different one uh grand crescendo is create x one one white citizen creature tokens creatures you control gain indestructible until the end of the turn that costs it's an x spell and then a plains and a swamp so a bunch of spells like that where i can just pump out a bunch of creature tokens at one time and then 
probably three or four turns in if you're swinging with 15 or 20 creatures. Assuming that you can give protection to those creatures, you're going to be able to make an impact pretty early. Unfortunately, I was not in the pod where the deck got played, so I don't know how it performed. Hopefully, Aaron, I think Aaron's the only one that was in that pod, so maybe yeah. he can speak more to how the deck performed. Um, but the deck does also have some other aristocrat-type cre- creatures in there, like Cruel Celebrant, which is a, a staple aristocrat for planes in a swamp. It says whenever it or another creature planeswalker you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So that's that's a way to offset if your board is getting wiped because it's getting too big. Um, you can still get some of those benefits out of there. Yeah, I mean, I, I played two games against it, um, and our friend who received the deck, he hasn't played with us in a long time, so he's a little bit um, on the more casual side. He, he's I not think, as cutthroat. Well, he's not as cutthroat, and I think it, when you've been playing Magic every week for over a year, you just are able to kind of pick up on a deck a little bit sooner and like see kind of what you should be doing. Um, and I don't think he played poorly or anything like that, but um, I, I do think like the first game we played, he dished out a lot of pain. It was just one of those things where he didn't have enough to seal the deal. So he was kind of helping the game along, but wasn't able to uh, uh, ultimately capitalize on it. And the second game um, that he played, I just don't think that he got enough of the right cards to to make much of an impact. I will say the last thing about this deck is when I built it in my mind, Commissar is not the kind of commander you want to have out immediately mm-hmm. because if you're pinging everybody at the table, every combat, they're going to get tired of you quickly and they're going to try mm-hmm. to eliminate you. So in my mind, you want to build a board state, maybe wait on your commander, even though it's a three cost, you wait till turn six or seven when you have a, a solidified board state and maybe some protection out. And there are cards that'll give like for instance general's enforcer is a two cost creature that says legendary humans you control have indestructible you want to get that out before you have your commander out so that way you can just start pumping out that damage and i don't know yeah. if that's if he was able to do that or if that's what I, he was trying to do i mean but... the second game i don't really recall much i i don't think there was really an opportunity to even do anything like that the first game it was solid though i mean it was a it was a definitely a threat it just didn't have enough to take over the game but it it made a huge impact with it but were there any cards when you're building this deck uh that you wanted to put in but you had to cut because of budget or um were there any as you were going like the roadmap of how you would upgrade the deck if you were the one receiving it rather than giving it yeah, so I guess a peak, a real peak behind the curtain, Grand Crescendo is not in the deck. That's an $11 card that I actually had to cut the the Create X11 Green and White Citizen Creature Tokens. Um, that was one that didn't make the cut. Another card, which I see now has really dropped in price, is Sanguine Bond. Three colorless, a swamp on a swamp. Whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. Um, I would have put that in the deck because I wanted to put in more lifelink. So if, aside from the infinite combo, if you had something like Sanguine Bond, or if you got Exquisite Blood Out, which I think is three colorless, and uh, it might be four colorless in a swamp for whenever an opponent loses life, you gain that much life. So you have a way to build up your life total as you're going. Um, but that's still like a $25 card, even after it's repent. That didn't make the, the cut. Uh, those are the only ones that stick out in my mind right now. Sure. Cool. Um, and then, I mean, we might as well just stick with Martin for the moment and talk about the deck that you received. 
Yeah, so I received a, a really, really gnarly deck. Uh, it is a partner commander. So the first commander is Rhoda, Geist, Avenger, three colorless, and a planes that says partner with Timon, Youthful Geist. It has vigilance, and whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped, if it isn't being declared as an attacker, put a plus one, plus one counter on Rhoda. It's a three, three to start. And then Timon, which is the partner that it has to have, is a three, four flyer. At the beginning of each combat, tap up to one target creature, and Timon costs four colorless and an island. So when I first received the deck, I was like, man, that's that's nine total just between the commanders. So I knew that immediately this was going to be a little bit of a slower deck, especially in blue-white. Um, but the theme is as straightforward as it sounds. You're trying to tap down your opponent's creatures. You get to buff up Rhoda as you do it. Uh, and then you just start swinging away. Uh, at least that's what I thought initially. And the second game I played with it, I think I ended up winning the game with Rhoda. She was like a 27-27, and I was just pumping out combat damage because there are a bunch of fun cards in the deck, such as uh, Solitary Sanctuary, two colorless, and an, uh, Planes that is an enchantment. Whenever it enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. And then whenever you tap an untapped creature and opponent controls, put a plus one, plus one counter on a target creature control. So at one point in time, I was putting multiple counters on Rhoda every time I tapped a creature. Uh, there are other enchantments in the deck that, um, for instance, Citadel Siege, two colorless and two planes. When it enters the battlefield, you can choose cons or dragons. Dragons is at the beginning of combat on each opponent's turn. Tap up to one creature that player controls. So three opponents. I was tapping a creature every combat and just throwing out counters um and then the, there's some other neat combat tricks in there that we might get into later but it's all about tapping creatures just let me know when you're moving to combat yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the the only problem with you getting that deck aside from how obnoxious you are is it is two commander cards to read and you don't even read one of one. your cards and so having two was a little bit of a struggle we really oh, had to work with you oh, to, to so get through onto that onto that next level Hundred percent. I admit that. So true. Um, and then I guess we'll just kind of move around the horn and go to Aaron. Um, sure. I guess talk about the deck that you built first. Um, I built a deck that I wanted to be pretty quick and deadly. Um, we've hmm. got a lot of people at the table that like to throw shade about. Uh, I have a goblin. A black green, a black red goblin deck. Uh, that's pretty quick and pretty good. And so I wanted to make a deck that could took some heat with, off of you. I, I don't want to say compete because I think there's plenty of decks at the table that can compete, but something that was in that same vein, so somebody else could um, do that. And so I made uh, Winota join our forces. She's a two colorless, a red, and a white for a four four. I think. Um, yeah, the C the CEDH listeners know who she is. Yeah, uh, and she states that whenever you attack with a non-human creature, uh, you look at the you reveal the top or you look at the top six cards of your library. You may choose a human from among them, put it on the battlefield, tap it, attacking, and it gains indestructible to the end of the turn. So the general gist of it is you just cheat out massive amounts of value. Um, doing dumb things. I mean, a 1-1 one, one goblin can flip into an Angrath Marauders, which is a 7-cost human that doubles all damage you deal to opponents and their permanents. So it's 
um, a little, it's pretty fun in that regard, and it's just really explosive and it's really quick. Um, and then I threw in a bunch of stack pieces from stacks pieces from white because you're not casting a lot of things, so you can just slow down the game for everybody else, and you can blow up, blow up. Um, it is. I don't know if it's still very popular in CEDH, but I know that it was very popular in CEDH for a long time. And uh, yeah, I was able to make the list for like $33 or something like that. So pretty happy with it. Pretty you should be. It's, it. uh, from what I saw, it was gnarly. Yeah, Glad I mean, I think, I think it's a really fun deck. Um, and thankfully, Cody, our friend Cody, um, he had an Atla deck. And Atla is a commander that you can tap her to make a zero one egg defender and then when your eggs die you get to you know exile cards on top of your library until you exile a creature card and then that creature card comes out instead um and in my experience playing against it it was really frustrating for him to play it because nobody's cracking your eggs for you and he started to lean into uh cracking his own eggs but it's just it's very tedious and it's very it takes a lot of setup. And so I felt like Winota is just like that, but a thousand times better. Um, both, both just in terms of ability and power, but also just in terms of fun. Like every, almost every time Winota's out, you're just, you know, shooting off the top of your library, looking for something good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it played about as well as I thought it would the first game. um, there's a couple matchups against the deck that Nick built for Christmas. And I do think that's probably its toughest matchup just because and Nick will get into it, but it deals with a lot with fighting and stuff like that. And you need to keep a note on the board. Um, so it was a tough, tough look, but I think Cody played four games. and I think he won two of them. So a 50% win rate out of the box. I don't think is anything to be disappointed in. Uh, another deck that Aaron built has a 50% win rate so far. Um, so far, for those keeping score at home, he's, that's uh, he's the part of the though, course. He's no, the I mean it was a it was a wicked deck. I only played against it the one time, and it was it was gnarly. It did everything, and I mean for the budget that you kept it under, and I mean the stuff that we know Cody has that he can put in there mm-hmm. to just juice it up, like to get the extra combats and that I mean, kind of Carlac stuff. not being a human is right. Yep. Right. Silly, yep. yeah. Yep, and he's just got that ready to go. Yeah, and that, kind of like to Martin's point, I do think that deck, um, and I don't think Cody was playing it wrong or anything like that, but I, I think that's a deck where it's very um, deceiving. I think, I think a lot of newer players, their impulse is to play your commander right away on curve, but is one of those commanders where you might want to hold off until turn four, five, or six. Um once you have an established board, because she doesn't have to attack. So you, once you have she a board doesn't? of not, nope, it's just whenever you attack with a non-human creature. I'm not sure why they printed that card, um, but they did, and now uh, one of my friends gets to take advantage of it. Yeah, my philosophy with these deck-building events that we do is I really try to make a deck that I'd be jealous of, and this is a deck that I am incredibly jealous that I don't own. Um, so I'm I'm happy with that. I mean, I would say to everyone's credit, just to interject, that I saw all the decks at the tables were, look like a lot of fun to play. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone lost out in this in this adventure. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, I guess, talk about the deck that you got. Uh, the deck that 
Please do. I I was given is Depala Pilot Exemplar. She is a dwarf pilot for one colorless, a mountain and a plains. She's a 3-3. Three, three. Um, other dwarves you control get plus one, plus one. Each vehicle you control gets plus one, plus one, as long as it's a creature. And whenever she becomes tapped, you may pay X. If you do, reveal top the top cards of X top cards of your library until and put all dwarf and veal cards from among them into my hand and put the rest into the bottom of my library in a random order. Um yeah, so my 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 friend made me a uh vehicle and dwarf list. It was really fun set up with all these riddles and boxes to unopen and, and try to figure out what deck he had made. I, I think in practice the deck I don't think it's any comment on the deck itself, but I think vehicles leave a lot to be desired. Um, I have a red-white, used to be a red-white-black equipment deck, now it's a red-white equipment deck, and I couldn't help but feel like in these colors, equipment felt like, or sorry, uh, vehicles felt like worse equipment. Um, They don't have haste, and you have to have a creature to use them. So most of the time, you're tapping a... Uh, a two or a three power creature to get like a five power creature that also attacks. So you're really tapping two creatures uh, for two extra power. Sometimes you get an effect with it. So I, I think there was some, there's, there's a lot to be desired, but that's more on the fact that I don't, I guess I don't feel that vehicles are a category that wizards has put a lot of support into to make it interesting, even though they have a, a blue white precon. Um, but it played it plays pretty well. I, I do think that it's difficult. Uh, I, I mean, some of the decks that, that were being ran at the table, I, I do find that it was difficult to compete with. Especially, like, I, we played a game uh, against Martin, the deck that Martin received. And it was really tough just because his whole deck revolves around creatures being tapped. And my whole deck revolves around tapping my creatures to pilot or to crew vehicles. So it was an ugly look where I was feeding into his machine while trying to do my little thing. Um, and then, you know, just, just if I'm comparing it to other decks at the table uh, for the event, Depala's X ability where you can sink mana into it didn't ever really feel efficient because there's it's red-white, so sometimes I'm hurting for lands or sometimes I need a board wipe or removal or whatever the case may be. And if I'm paying X... That's a lot of mana to draw into dwarves and vehicles that aren't going to solve those problems and then putting potentially the the problem solvers, the solutions on the bottom of my library can, can be a tough look. Um, but no, man, it was a lot of fun to play. Um, the, I, I did win the first game with it, and part of what happened was Martin's deck that he built was dealing a lot of damage around the table, and I just was fortunate enough to get some lifelink stuff going on and some life gain where I was able to kind of stay above the rising tide, um, and nobody else was, and then I was able to kind of eat that out. But, um, I mean, it was... I mean, we, we don't have any vehicle decks at the table, so it was definitely um, nice to have something different. I, I think so. Brandon is the one that, that built that deck, and I was just going through my text messages to see... He sent me at least five different ideas for what he was considering building you because, again, he's been away for a little while, and so I think he was kind of spinning his tires of, like, what to build and, like, I mean, if you know him, which, listener, you probably don't, um, he he needs to be he needs to be his own kind of special and unique uh, when it comes to these things. And 
um, he, I mean, he had everything from uh, uh, John Arenicus as a potential, um, which he, but he, what he was trying to accomplish with it, he wasn't going to be able to do. He had Deepla, he had Zara Renegade Recruiter, like he had just a ton of things that he sent. Sure. The only, the only thing that he stood by from the beginning of when he knew he drew you to what he's like, I'm going to get some six sleeves. Yeah. Uh, and I think you do win the award for the best sleeves. Oh, absolutely. For, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he, gave me some, yeah. he got me some thematic dwarf sleeves for the dwarf deck. Yeah, it was sick. Yeah. And best box, too. I mean, he yeah, unwrapped an entire UPS box. 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that just filled up my recycling bin. Um, <laughs> Congrats. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it was great. Everybody got something. Everybody um, got something. Nick, let's talk about the deck that you built for Derek. That I built for Derek. So um, Derek is one of our newer-ish players at the table. Um, Derek came t- with us. God, what, what did he come? What said to come in? Lord of the Rings. Yep. So and Derek has been um, getting a lot of precons. So Derek is really used to like our precons deck lists for um, Lord of the Rings, and then he really went hard in them with Ixlan. Um, so I just really wanted to make him a deck that he hasn't seen before um and maybe in some of the colors that he hasn't used before um so i made him a jund so black red green fight deck um with marika brutal gladiator she is a two cost uh and then one of each of those colors for a seven four um she has uh, she must be blocked if able and then as long as it's your turn she has indestructible and then when she deals damage to a creature, if that creature was dealt excess damage, this turn that creature's controller sacrifices a non-creature, non-land permanent. Um, so really good at, you know, dealing out a lot of damage, um, controlling boards in kind of a weird, janky jund way. Um, I also built this deck because I watched a video, uh, Maldhound did a video on Marika, and I really... I had never seen her before, but I knew I wanted to build a fight deck um, for myself. Um, and when I saw her, I, I knew this was going to be the deck that I was going to build Derek for for Christmas. Um, it's really just gas pedal as many fight spells as you can get into the deck. Um, a lot of um, interesting uh, combat tricks with her, um, trying to benefit on dealing excess damage to a bunch of different creatures um, while she does the damage or at least needs to deal the damage. Um, there's still ways of dealing excess damage and, and getting a few different triggers off of it. Um, yeah. I, I know um, Derek had gotten the dinosaur precon from Ixlon, which has a lot of enraged triggers with some of those dinosaurs. So I thought they would be kind of fun for him to slot in as well. Um, enrages when the creatures dealt damage, it does an extra effect. Um, so I thought those would be kind of cool for him to maybe swap in for some of these fight spells that, I mean, there's a bunch of them, so he can really kind of scale back on some of the fight in there if he wants to. Um, overall, I I hope he had fun with it. I didn't get to watch him play it at the table. I tried to peek a, a few different turns, but it seemed like it was, it was doing pretty well at the table. Um, I think, I mean, there's definitely room for improvement um, in the deck. I mean, I think all of the decks, you know, there's always room to kind of make it your own and do your own thing with it. Um, but I just really wanted to give him something that he didn't 
see before or hasn't seen before or, or just kind of a, an interesting way um, of maybe looking at a deck that he hasn't seen with some of the, the pre-cons that um, Wizards has come out with. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm really proud of it. It came in right at, I think I'm looking at the, the price right now, forty nine eighty eight with all the lands in it and everything. Um, and I had deck boxes and sleeves kind of rolling around here. So I just put those in. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm definitely proud of it. I think it does what it needs to do. And Marika's, she's so much fun. <laughs> she just, she just, she just wants to fight everything on the table. So I, I hope you hope you had fun with it. Played against it a couple, or played against it a couple times, and it, it definitely felt like uh, like he had a good time with it. Oh, that's good. Um, and then the deck that was built for me, Bill. Do you want me to explain it, or do you want to kind of yeah, take I mean, over? I mean, kind of. We can. I, I can kind of give you the rundown, and then you can talk about the changes that you made uh, five minutes after you opened the box. Listen, um, I didn't make any of those changes. <laughs> Super so hard. I, okay, so before before we get to what I built for you, we'll just kind of close the loop. Um, so Derek had our friend Scott. So neither of them are in here represented. Um, Derek built Scott the Myco Tyrant. Um, which is one of the new Ixalan. Um, uh, it's a Golgari, so a black and green, and I think it's uh, one colorless. I think it's a three cost. Um, might be four. Um, but it relies pretty heavily on the descent mechanic. Um, and it's really funny because that's one that I was considering building myself. Like, I'd kind of picked it as, like, one I have, I probably still have in my architect, like, three-fourths of a deck list kind of put together of things that might work. Um, but I knew I wasn't going to put anything together until after the Christmas deck list, um, or Christmas deck exchange. Um, and so I think that it was really cool seeing that deck because that was the first deck that Derek has ever built. Like Nick said, um, Derek hadn't, has really just been a pre-con guy. He's very into games. He's very into gaming. He's big into all things. And I mean, he's very knowledgeable. He just hasn't built the cards or built the decks. Um, and so he built that, and just from watching it go, um, I mean, I played against it a couple of times, uh, it ran pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. It relies pretty heavily on the descend mechanic, um, and how many times things go into the graveyard, and that kind of stuff. Um, and I think it really had a lot of the pieces there. And I think that um, it's also, like, I mean, it's a mechanic that Scott wasn't super familiar with, because he hadn't, he's never had a graveyard deck or anything like that. Um, and it's a new mechanic specifically, and so he kept coming up. He kept being like, "Oh wait, hold on." So this descended again. So like, I get an extra thing and this and this. And so like, watching Scott kind of pick up those things, the more you play it, like he, figuring out how that deck is going to play was, um, it was it was good to see. Um, and then Scott had me, and it worked out that. Uh, he actually built me a Golgari deck as well, a different fungus. It's Slimefoot and the Stowaway, uh, or Slimefoot the Stowaway. So um, that one was, um, I mean, it was great. Like, it was close enough to the Myco Tyrant, but at, at the same time, it's different because it's not. I basically you're building an army full of Sapperlings and sacking them to to drain life. Um, and I mean, the deck really had everything it needed. Um, 
Scott did a really good job of putting it all together. I've swapped out a few cards just because there's there's a few things that like to double down on um, on some of that life drain. I had a couple of cards in in hand um, that I could put in pretty easily. I I ended up picking up a parallel lives because the only thing better than making a sapperling is making two sapperlings. Um, and so I think it's in a pretty good spot right now. He Scott did put forty lands in there, which I thought was a little little bit of overkill. But he he said he's he goes, I I don't want you to get to get mana screwed uh, right out the gate. So I want to yeah. make sure you've got enough land. And I, I that was great. So I dropped that down a little bit. Honestly, I think I can probably drop it down a little bit more after um, seeing how it's um, it's playing with some of these changes that I just made. I mean we played last weekend and it didn't have the strongest showing, but I think I just needed to shuffle it up a little bit more because I was getting a little flooded out. Um, so that was really cool. Scott did a great job on that. Um, and then uh, to finish off, off the Golgari circuit um, for Nick, uh, and I will go on the record. I have been on the record that Nick was probably the hardest person to make a deck for. Um, and that's coming from Martin, who I think maybe met Wick one time before this, if that. I, I don't even know if he actually met Wick in person before this. Um, but I will maintain that Nick is the hardest person to build a deck for because he has built every deck. Um, in some way, shape, or form, he has built every single deck and has owned them all. And so... Um, like Pokemon. It, it was a little bit of challenging. So I ended up going with Shelob, Child of Ungolian, um, which is four colorless and then a swamp and a forest for an 8 8 spider demon that gives death, that has death touch in Ward 2 and gives other spiders you control death touch in Ward 2. Um, and then whenever another creature dealt damage this turn by a spider you control dies, create a token copy of that creature except it's a food uh food token or a food artifact um and so i mean it's you know frodo wrapped up in the webbing and stuff um and the specific story behind why i built chilob and i mean i just packed it full of spiders i think the original deck list had 30 spiders in it uh 31 including chilob in the command zone um and i mean there was one summer when nick and i lived together that we killed over a hundred spiders crawling on the outside of our house. Like, I don't know where they were coming from. It Hell. was terrible. I honestly, like we, we considered moving. Probably more. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, we killed so many spiders in one night and like a spider here, there, not my favorite thing, but like, what are you going to do? But there were so many spiders. It looked like the ex. It luckily it was the exterior, not interior, but it, it was I'm gross. pretty sure we lived on a nest. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a reason we didn't me, go into the basement of that house. Gives me the, the heebie jeebies just thinking about this day. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why I built the, built the deck. Um, and so I really wanted to make sure that the deck had, pretty much any spider you could want um there were a couple that either because of availability or cost weren't in there but again there's 31 spiders i thought any more than that was really going to be a little bit of an overkill um and then there were a few other things that i kind of left a little bit of room to to work with um depending on 
the direction you want to go, you know. Um, I put in a few things like um, Satessan Tactics, which is um, uh, an instant that costs two and then has Strive where you can uh, pay an extra forest um, for it to target additionally additional creatures. Um, and it basically gives them plus one, plus one, and you can tap them to fight another target creature. Um, and so giving your, all your spiders death touch, you get that, you get all these food tokens, you know, so there's, there's some fight combat, um, things in there. Um, there's also, you know, I left a little bit of synergy open for food tokens. Um, it was a little tough to meet all of the spider requirements and to do a lot with the food tokens, but I, I left a little bit in there. Um, just to make sure that there was enough going on. Um, the really the only notable card that didn't make it in because the uh, the budget was Arachnogenesis. It's um, in there, no. Which, uh, yeah, <laughs> Nick has ordered already. Um, and I mean, I was I was pretty proud of the deck purely because after playing the first game, Nick only slotted in three to four cards at the table before we started the second game that night. So, like, he didn't take apart half the deck and slot it in with... I don't know where he pulled the cards from. I don't know if they were tucked into his socks or what, but he had cards ready to go for this deck that he didn't know he was getting. um, Which is really impressive. But again, it was only a couple of cards, so I was feeling pretty good about it. I mean, to be fair, Bill, I I saw him try to put in at least six illegal cards. What he was going to do with the dock side, I'm not sure. But right. he had it ready to go he, on the deck. He did have Dockside sitting out there to go into the deck, which is notably a red card. And not a spider. And not a spider. I put Cavern of Souls in that deck and a couple reanimation spells, okay? Yeah, you slow your that roll. That you just had in your holster? Yeah, guy carry him with me just in case. With reanimation spells. All right. I, uh, I don't think I could have been happier with the deck that I received. Um, I don't want to gas you up too much, Bill, because you don't need it. Um, But I love a good typal deck, and I didn't know that I wanted a spider deck, one, before I got one. And now it it just, everything came perfectly to me on this deck. Um, I, I knew I wanted to make a deck with like a Lord of the Rings theme thing with it. Um, Shelob just is perfect. Golgari is just right up my my alley. I just I love those colors. Um, and I, I I know you said it was hard to make decks for me, Bill, but I think you did kind of the perfect job with this deck. Um, like you said, there's a lot of room to you know do if make it my own if I want to, but I I, I really want to keep the, the 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 heart of it together. Um, Arachnogenesis did definitely find its way into the deck because it's a it's a must add in this deck. Um, but honestly playing it, I think it was perfect. Um, I, I really like the spider synergies that came to it. Um, I mean, Shelob just kind of makes it happen with it and and an eight, eight on a six CMC body is, uh, nothing to, to scoff at, um, especially with death touch and ward two, um, stupid mechanic Ward two is, um, but I'm happy that all my stuff has it because when I go to combat, Martin doesn't ask me anything. Um, 
No, it turns I, out having six creatures with Death Touch and Ward Two make it really hard to interact with you as a friend scary. and it's as scary, an opponent. Sure. As no, a friend, I think huh? I, th- I think the deck just can get out of hand so quick too with um, the way that synergy and type is set up. Um, I'm excited to continue to play it more and kind of get used to the deck and see maybe what needs to you still have get it? buffed or <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have it, Bill. Um, okay. All right, just checking. What you know, I. I've turned a little bit of a new leaf on my deck building um, and and the way I am looking at magic of late. So um, I, I definitely am excited to uh, to see where this deck can go. And uh, I, I, I really appreciated it. I will say, Nick, this is one of the most interesting decks that I saw just in terms of how your opponents have to interact with it because essentially you, you get your board. You so hard? Well, one, it did tech me because I couldn't tap into your creatures. But you're just building a board. Generally, spiders are small. But you, they all have death touch and they'll have ward. And no one wants to swing into you because their creatures are going to die no matter the size. So then the game that I saw you play this deck, what essentially just happened was you, you just kept getting more and more spiders and they all had death touch. And I think you ended up losing that game because no fault of your own you you just made an uncalculated error where you forgot someone had trample you could have killed that person and you chose not to i mean that was essentially your game it was too much power yeah it's a weird deck (laughs) it's it's a hard deck to play against and i was really excited to see at the table i don't want to see it again though so you can i will say bill's edition of fight spells is insane in this deck um the fight mechanic with all of your creatures having death touch and not really caring if you're going to lose them is just chef's kiss with that because yeah, it's a, it's I don't mind sending my spides at you to to take out all your stuff. Okay, I don't mind at all. Um, one thing that you know I I was curious about. So while I was waiting for you guys to finish up whatever you were doing uh, before recording today, I went back and looked at the games right that we um, that we had played that night because you know we've we had some people that hadn't been um playing as much recently and everybody had a new deck and so you know i wasn't sure how that had affected the game lengths and like um how many rounds you know right now overall i believe our game we're averaging about 10 rounds for a game nine to ten where i think you know it's starting to shift a little bit lower um but generally around 10 um and really we held to that for i think we had six or seven total games that were played that night and we averaged about 10 10 to i think 11 um we did have one game that ended in seven that was uh where winota went off and really um did some nasty things it looks like and we had one that i think went to round 13 but if i remember right yeah i mean that was that was like one of the first games in there and so i mean i thought that was pretty good it just kind of goes to show that setting a budget of 50 dollars you know when you go to architect or moxfield or whatever and you're looking at all these decks and there's there's decks that cost a hundred dollars two hundred dollars i mean there was a time where aaron and i were sitting between a thousand dollars on the table um it felt like pardon uh, yeah, no, Martin was. was sitting on no, either it, side it of us. It didn't feel like it. It was. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was casual. Um, 
and it do, it doesn't really matter. Like our games are fast, and I think part of that is like our playstyle and stuff. But it like it's just one of those things that's really nice to see, and that like I encourage people to, um, you know, the the barrier of entry doesn't have to be as high as some people make it seem. Well, well and I think in addition to the to the financial aspect, um, you know, we were talking to my brother the other night and he asked, because he doesn't know anything about magic, he asked, well, is magic pay to win? Because it really seems like it. And, you know, I I think to an extent there's some there's oh. certainly some truth to that. You can you can certainly spend a lot of money and get some really powerful cards and in general if you have two people of equal skill, if somebody has a more expensive deck, there's a good chance that they can just win. Because there's some cards that are just expensive because they're really good. But, I, I mean, I don't adhere to it being a pay-to-win game because I do think there's a lot you can do on a budget. And I think that... Um, I do think that these events that we do where we set the budget to like $30... I mean, we Bill, you said 40 to $50, but I think ultimately everybody was more for like the sleeves and the deck box. Yeah, yeah it, was, so, it was like, I think most everybody except for Nick. Oh, not Nick. Not Nick, getting, weird. Nick, Nick has a spending problem. Nick's, Nick, Nick has a spending problem. Um, but I think 50, pretty much so everybody was in that like 30 yeah. to 40 range. But, but um, so, so I think that helps. But then also, uh, more importantly, and listen, I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum, but I think I hear from a lot of people I shouldn't say I hear from a lot of people. I, I, I get the sense that newer players am, aren't that interested in deck building. That's not the part of the game that they enjoy. And I think it's easy to think that deck building is tedious and that it's for a certain kind of player. And while that might be true, I'm not, I can't speak for the community as a whole. I'm wary of that sort of thing because I have to imagine that a lot of that comes from just lack of confidence or inexperience. And I think that these events are really a good way of us showing newer players who play with us just how easy it is to spend not much money at all, less than you'd spend on a precon, and make a really cohesive, interesting, fun, competitive deck at the table. And I think more so than anything else, I think it just levels up our group, our group's ability to make better decks in the future for themselves. And I think it's been paying dividends. Our, our friend Scott, you know, he um, hadn't, re- I think he started building a deck, but I feel like it was around CabinCon when he had to make the Secret Commander deck that he really got into the deck building stuff. Like he would start making attracts, but I feel like he was really starting to hone some deck building skills and learning a lot. And I, I really think that these events are a really good way of teaching our friends that side of magic. Forcing them into it, basically. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was great. You know, we've already kind of talked about um, how, like, how we'd maybe, what changes we might make for next year's exchange or, you know, how we want to do that. We've also kind of talked about, you know, Cabin Con and kind of figuring that out. It's a little well, early when, to really get When we get say excited, we, but... Bill, it was mostly you and, you and me. Yeah, I know, we. It's the Royal Wii. Martin also yeah. said I heard you and Aaron talked about it. So there's we. Nick doesn't play video games with us anymore, so he really got left out. Is what it came up to down to. Well, I'm gonna bring. Can I bring? I'm really excited about our initial idea. Can I bring Nick into the circle? Into sure, the bring him in. Bring him in. Nobody else is going to know. 
This is so, this is a closed so, door session. So this might betray the original, the kernel of it. But I told Bill, you know, if we do two events every year building decks, because I'm the kind of person where I'm going to try to preserve the decks that we make for the events because they're sentimental. But that also means we're accruing a lot of decks, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to. Um, the idea we ended up coming up with is twin headed giant at Cabin Con. We set a team budget. You can coordinate Jesus. decks. It gets worse slash better. There's a global there it is. Sent Here it is. Avernus and a global monarch in play at all times. I mean, I like all of that. Yeah. So I, that way. Okay, but here's the deal. Who? So do you, do you build your deck for your partner? I think I think I th- we could I do think... that, or we could just do you two just coordinate decks. You try to really alley you, but yeah, uh, we're we're still very much. I mean, not, let's let's be very clear for the listeners at home, the listener at home, um, or Cody on his way to work, or Scott. I don't know what he does at work, but I'm assuming he's going to listen to us. Um, we're in the very beginning stages. We don't have a date yeah. picked for Cabin Con. Cabin Con it's is the second of January, seeming to. Um, you know, it's going to be One's a bigger event this year. Two of them. By, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think um, so. And so, you know, there's a lot of logistics to figure out, but mm-hmm. I think that something along this line of, even even if we don't do, like, even if we don't say you have to come with new decks or whatever, but, like, if you select a deck that you have or pick partners or feel free to build a deck, um we're not putting Salvala and whatever weird thing you guys are going to be. What happens if we already have the perfect pairing? Great. Already still have to be randomly selected to be partners. Um, this isn't, this isn't going to be playground rules. We'll figure it out. I'm also not your guys' mom. I'll see him in hell. I'm going to always be randomly selected with him. Sure. Um, so, I mean, that's what we're looking at is doing like a, uh, a twin headed giant or something, because if we do have a bigger, um, bigger group of people getting together, you know, one of the things that even just talking about our decks is like, we didn't get to see the decks that we made necessarily go off. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were sitting at different tables doing something like the twin headed giant while, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be the whole weekend or whatever, but if we did a couple games with that or whatever, that gets more people sitting around the same table, which is always an excellent thing. I agree. Yeah. Um, no, I like that a lot. I think that's really a good idea. And, yeah. So, so it makes inside the circle now. Nobody else has heard kind of what we're looking at and planning. What happens if you're partnered with Nick and he uses the entire team budget on his deck? Um, hey, Even here's better. what I'm going to tell you. Aaron, word of warning. You got a lot of nerve. word of warning. <laughs> you got so much. Nerve. The last person to be twin-headed giants. <laughs> Calling me out for that. With, with uh, Nick. Nick just killed us. Nick, Nick, well, Nick he... took his partner down. And that's hey. kind of that's kind of where I was thinking about. You coordinate decks with your teammate, and it might be something where we have to set a budget and build decks, just because. I think one of the best parts about the events that we've done. As much as I don't want to like have everybody constantly, I shouldn't say constantly, but twice a year even adds up building new decks for people. I do think that the budget is a great equalizer. Where regardless of skill, like, like I said, I don't think that there's really that much discrepancy in prices within our decks. But 
it's just another way. To, it's just another way to equalize things, especially for newer players, where everybody's dealing with the same. And you get you get more fun cards, I think, at the table, more interesting decks than than you usually would. And so I think that just setting the budget just it takes a little bit out of the equation in terms of making sure that there's even matchups. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I like I, it hey, a lot. I I dig it. I I like the idea. I mean, I think there's a lot of road between here and there to to make it worthwhile. Yeah, and we and we we talked about a cube, but I and I told Bill the, the only thing with a cube is I think that monopolizes a lot of our time. Like it it would take up at least a whole day to run a cube. I think for us to especially because not all none of us know draft that well. So then to draft your deck and then play a few games, I just think it would take a lot of time to do all of that. Whereas this, we already have our decks, we know how to play the game, and we just sit up and play. I've already selected my deck. It's perfect. You don't have a partner. Yeah, he does. Don't yeah. need a partner. <laughs> I'll volunteer to be with Martin. Oh, I'm sorry, Martin. You're going to make everyone draw cards, right? I got this really fun commander. Blue, red, black. It's going to be great. We're going to love it. Uh, Hell yeah, baby. I'm more than just one deck, okay? Um, the last thing that I kind of want to talk about, you know, I mean, every other podcast right now is kind of doing, like, the year in review thing. Um, and I don't want to lean too much on that because but, we don't necessarily... Yeah. But... That's one of, that's one of your decks. But here we are. Uh, the, the thing that I thought um, that I wanted to bring up with you guys that I thought was good is... The three of you specifically in our pod all have in the last month or so this comes with a caveat because I'm kind of working Martin in there, but like taken yeah. apart a bunch of your decks and like looked at how you're deciding what decks to keep and what decks to get rid of and like when you're building decks. Martin hasn't taken apart a deck. He's still got 13 of them rolling around in the Amazon box in the trunk of his car. Um, but he claimed yesterday, now it's January 2nd, um, little peek behind the curtain at the recording schedule and how we do this stuff. Uh, he claimed on January 1st that he's not building a deck for an entire year outside of these events. Now, Martin, it's January 2nd. It's been almost exactly 24 hours. Have you built a new deck? I the, haven't. The listeners technically... can't hear the face. I haven't technically built a new deck. No, I'm I'm not purchasing a new deck. Not doing it. I'm not okay. doing it. 2024 is the year of no new decks. 13 is plenty for now. One a month. That's one a month and then some. 13? I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this with you. I'm not doing it. Um, But I did, like, I want to, I wanted to get your opinion on, number one, how your decks, like, how the last year went. I mean, we played a lot of games. Awful. It was, it was terrible. Yep, that's, that's what I was looking for. Um, you see Cathal's games during Capricorn? Yeah. All right, all right, that's fair, that's fair. Holy shnikes. Um, but what were some of your takeaways from the decks um, that you played? Um, were there any that aside from Catherine, because it was terrible, a terrible experience for Aaron, apparently. But were there any decks that you felt like were actually just, like, you built, you thought it was going to be good, and they were a flop? Or were there any decks, whether you still have them or Catherine. not, that you, um, that you thought were good? And how are you kind of taking 
the last year's worth of games and deck building and what are you looking at for the next year is this directed at aaron or can any of us jump uh, in? any of you can we know aaron's answer Catherine was a big Catherine, lobby even though it was actually a pretty good deck um oh, oh go ahead i actually want to give aaron and martin credit for for my year um just dogging you <laughs> No, no, and, 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 and I, I want to. I, I don't really know how to articulate this the best way possible, but there was an episode that we did um, looking at how we build decks, um, and it really made me introspectively look at what I was trying to get out of Magic and how I was building my decks. And I realized a lot of the decks that I were was building were basically just the best possible versions that I could synergize with the commander and using EDH rec a lot. I mean, it was a really good resource, but a lot of the decks that I was building were just carbon copies of other people's work kind of together. Most optimal. Yeah. Yeah. The the most optimal builds for those decks, which in turn was, you know, obviously I was spending money on singles and getting the best cards for the decks not to like a CDH level or like getting like the $300 land budgets, but I was definitely buying a lot of singles for decks that I was going through really fast. And I didn't really know why I was going through them fast, but I knew that I just built the deck. I would run it. I wouldn't get any satisfaction apart from really winning with it. Um, And then I would move on. And it really took that kind of hard look at, you know, I, I, realizing that it didn't make me feel like I was building the deck. It made me feel like I was just running it. And yeah. I don't know. There was a, a a part that was satisfaction with it, but it just never felt, it felt like hollow kind of playing those decks and, and getting the wins out of those mm-hmm. decks. Um, so I dismantled all my decks. I, I tore them all apart. I deleted, well, archived in our play group. And then I deleted all of my, um, my, lists off Moxfield and Architect. Um, and then I just kind of went back to the way I used to build decks 12 years ago. I sat down with my collection. I picked a commander. Um, I really got into the Doctor Who set at that point in time. So I just looked at every card that Doctor Who had available and really leaned in on a couple of commanders and a couple synergies with commanders there that I kind of saw. And when I realized that I had saw those synergies, um, it gave me that spark to want to play it, um, which gave me just a lot of thrill to actually build a deck with cards that I had and cards that I were contributing to. So I didn't use for the, the, the first two decks that I built and sub- subsequent decks, I didn't use any online source to build the initial deck. I just used the cards that I had on hand. Um, and then playing them, you can. I then went and saw what cards might work really well with them, and 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 at that point, but it was kind of the initial build process of the deck that I think I was missing out on. Um, so, yeah, that twenty twenty three was kind of a year of um, figuring out who I wanted to be as a Magic player. Oh, and and- I- Oh, sorry to make it off. No, no, I was just going to say twenty twenty four was going to be kind of the next step in that. So I just want to say, and I reached out to to Nick in the DMs a little while ago because I I try to stay tapped into the Magic community 
as much as I can. And I mean, there's so many different opinions out there. It's just, it's the internet, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I was taking it a little hard. I felt like I'd been a little hard on Nick and I would never, I would never try to tell people the right way to play magic or, um, or, you know, again, yuck anybody's yum or anything like that. So I wanted to reach out to him and just tell him like, Hey man, at the end of the day, yeah, play what you want to play. And I'm not, I shouldn't, I'm not trying to police anybody. I just want to make sure that everybody at our table has fun. And, um, I still would feel a little guilty about that, except for the fact that I do feel like there's been a, a, a switch, a switch that's been flipped in Nick's experience the, since, since he did this. I, I feel like he's more locked in. I feel like just playing against you. Oh, listen, we all have some bad games. He had a couple of them. He had one, I should say. Uh, last time he played, just with you didn't get the lands you needed. That happens to everybody. But other than that, like I just feel like you seem like a different opponent, and I'm really proud of you. One for taking criticism as well as you do as you did and do, because ultimately it's not my place to criticize you. Um, and two for really rising to the occasion. I think you've totally reinvented your decks and you're playing at the table and having more fun. And I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a, that's a hard lesson for everybody. I think magic is a, is a trap sometimes where, especially newer players, you realize, Oh, I have access to every card possible. If if you don't have a budget, if you're not restricted Mm -hmm. by price, I have an access to every card possible and I can just make the best list possible or I can make the best deck possible. And it's such a weird line to toe especially in our group, because I feel like we're more competitive than, at least when I gather, the general um, EDH community. Um, we are pretty competitive. And so it, it's a hard line to toe between like pushing the envelope in terms of competition and also making sure that everybody feels like they have a shot. Mm-hmm. And I, I think ultimately you've, I think you've come away with, better decks. I think you've come away with more sound decks. I mean, yes, Gitrog and Quasar were insane in terms of their combos and stuff like that, and in terms of the power you had in them, but I think you're playing the decks you have now better, and I think they're more fun to play against, and they're more fun, from what I can tell, for you to play. Absolutely. And I'm, I, so, I mean, I'm just, I'm just really proud of you. Um, hey, thank you. I, it, like I said, it was definitely an eye-opening experience to kind of go through, and I mean, building that first deck i built second doctor and leela that was my first deck out of kind of just taking everything apart i i had like a not a breakdown or anything but like you 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 kind of have that feeling of like do i remember how to build a deck like uh-huh. i don't i don't know that i know how to do this without help you know what i mean Absolutely. Like, so it it was definitely a an experience for me that i'm happy i did and happy yep. i went through because gave me the reassurance that I I do know how to do those things and I do know how this game can work and it, it's just I think it became just so, so monotonous to look at synergies and, and just build yeah. the most optimal thing when I wasn't having fun at all with it but now I just I love play I have two decks that I'm really kind of working on and one kind of in the wing um and it just they've been so much fun to to look at and and dangerous they're very they, dangerous. They have been pretty dangerous too. So they're just, it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it, on the other side of that, I'm glad 2024 is going to be your year. I'm a stupid idiot. Um, and I broke down all my decks. Um, I had, I think, 9, 10, 11 decks. 
And I just was getting frustrated. Not 13. I mean, listen, half of Martin's decks aren't really decks. So let's just, let's cool it on a 13 number. Um, But I I was getting frustrated because I had to pick a handful of decks to bring to magic. And then even of the handful that I brought, I'd only play three or four of them, maybe. And then I just think you lose for myself personally. I just was, I was forgetting why I enjoyed some of my decks. So like, but it's probably my, my favorite deck. It's probably the one I'm most proud of my black, red goblin deck. And I didn't play it much. And then when I would shuffle it up, I just would feel that sort of that spark again, like, Oh man, I forgot forgot how great this deck is. And so I broke down a lot of my decks. Um, Now I'm back up to six and almost all of them have counters in them. So I am back to feeling like, wow, this is not working out for me. Um, Not a great look. I don't really know what to say about it, except for the fact that I hope that they all play a little bit differently. And um, I'm having, I'm having a lot of fun with them. I made, I broke down all my decks except for, but which is my black red goblin deck. I kept Volo, which is the deck I made for our secret commander game. Uh, It's, blue red and it just deals a lot of combat tricks and um skullbriar which is the christmas deck that bill gave me a couple years ago and i kept those three together and then i had a sir gwyn deck which is a knight equipment deck black red white i took that apart i remade that into a nahiri forge and fury deck which is a red white equipment uh, it's playing okay right now i think it needs to get its legs up under it um, just in terms of play, I don't. I don't think I, I'm not. I don't need to add any cards to it or anything like that. And I don't think that it's that I don't know how to play the deck. I think it's just one of those decks that's just going to be kind of hit or miss. And Gwyn was kind of the same way for a while too. So it's de- it's performed. It just hasn't won a game yet, um, which is fine. But I'm having fun with that one. And then I made Selvala Intrepid Explorer, which is a green white big mana deck, and that is so much fun to play because there's just nothing better than having dumb amounts of mana to play dumb creatures. Um, True. And then um, what else do I have? Uh, yeah, and then my wife got me a pre-con for Christmas, and I've taken that and I'm making a Volrath the Shape Stealer deck, which is blue, black, and green. And he deals with counters because he puts minus one minus one counters on up to cre- on creatures and then i can pay mana to make him a copy of any creature with a counter on it so it also deals with counters and i am but it's a, it's much different i think um so i but my goblin deck Savala has a lot of counters in it uh skullbriar deals with counters in it so it, it's not a super good luck but ultimately i'm having a ton of fun with all my decks right now and I, I, this year i am also trying to not build any more decks because I really, I've preached to newer players at our table that you should be playing your decks more and more and more, because that's the only way to really know what works, what doesn't, if you're enjoying the deck, what to change in it, um, that sort of thing. And you just learn the deck better, and the more you play the deck, the better you'll get with the deck, because it's not just about the cards, it's how you play them. Um, and so I'm really trying to play my, try to play fewer decks way more this year than having a bunch of decks and playing them every once in a while. And, I, and I'm happy with that. I, so far, I've been really, really happy, and I look forward to playing my decks all the time. And I'm being able to play, uh, you know, 80% of my decks a night is a really good feeling. 
Martin. Yeah, you can tell you've been liking them a lot better. Awesome. That's that's great to hear. I mean, I guess I can I can follow that up, although it's going to be hard because unlike Aaron, I don't have six decks to run. Um, my current count is at between 13 and 15, depending on what, <laughs> what we consider a deck that can function. Um, Excuse you? Two of the decks are partially dismantled, but like six cards out of each of them. So I could throw them back together if I wanted can to. I, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Are these ahead. decks that are fully physically built? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's a good transition into where I'm at in 2024. And and we did joke about the fact that I don't really want to build any more decks. One, just because I don't need any more decks, but two, because I have a large variety of decks and I already have a very large collection of magic cards. And I feel like probably about a month to two months ago, what I realized was happening is that I had amassed a collection because I would, when I first started with magic, I was doing a bunch of research and I would just see big staple cards on a YouTube video or in a podcast I would hear about and I'd go, that card sounds really, really cool. I need to get it. So like the first card I remember I ever purchased was Torment of Hailfire for my Prosper deck, which we already did an episode on. And it's like, that's a $30 card. But what I found was happening was that I would throw a bunch of tutors in a deck, try to get out these big game winning cards and the play patterns were always the same. So what I've been working on for about two months now and going into 2024 is that I just want to modify the decks that I have without buying cards, if I can, to get a variety of play patterns. And that started with removing all the tutors from my decks. And I think that that was a good decision for me personally. One, tutors are obviously powerful. They give consistency to decks. But what I found is that Either one, I didn't know my decks well enough because I wasn't getting enough play to actually know what card to go get. Two, even if I went and got the card, it never worked out correctly because I just didn't know what I needed. Or three, I was getting the same exact playing pattern over and over again. And that wasn't a place where I was having as much fun with Magic as I could. So the budgets of my decks, I'm trying to cut down. I'm trying to get just a variety of play patterns with unique cards. That's why I kept my Gorian deck that we just talked about because it's a bunch of adventure spells and adventures don't get played in our pod. I didn't really see them anywhere. So it's a $50 deck that I technically have like 180 spells in there that I can cast. And you never know what's going to happen. It could be anything. Anytime someone, I mean, the only time or I played it with you nothing. guys, I think I played five lands total the entire game. So that was a bad showing. Um, all your tutors out? The only uh, tutor I oh, left in was in uh, Edgar Markov deck, Vampiric oh, Tutor. I have. Yeah. I did pull that Vampiric Tutor. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a special deck because my, my friends got me that Edgar Markov for my birthday. So that was, deck... I just want to point out to the listener, this is where many of us are fighting for our lives. We're talking about budgets and bringing the budgets down. And Martin's out here with a $200 commander. Not the deck. Not the deck. The commander is two hundred dollars. I just want to point that out. That's that's the competition we're living with. And we also My caught friends. the lawyer in a lie. Hey, don't listen to him, Martin. <laughs> no, I I agree with you, and I, and that's kind of what I was talking about with the next deck too. Like I said, it, it is it is so seductive. It depending on your personality with the game to realize any powerful cards at my fingertips. I could get at any of them. I could put them in my decks, and then. Yeah, I, I I was in the same position at one point 
too, where it's like you, you're tutoring for the same cards. And listen, there's there's a time and a place for that. I'm I don't I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum, but I do think like in our group, it can get kind of boring to just be like, okay, I know exactly what I'm tutoring for. It's the win con. I I play the win con because I don't. In certain pods, I think it's fine because there are some games from what I from what I've gathered where games can last a really long time. But every deck at our table is competitive within our group, and we're all going for the jugular, I think. I think we're all trying to win the game, and we're closing out games. I, mean, I think our games typically last... It's like nine and a half rounds, I think, is what nine the app says. 9.62 rounds and 63 yep. hour. minutes. Yeah, an hour. So, I mean, that's pretty... Especially because you consider that some of those games are five mans, even yeah. six player groups. So, I think we have no problem with closing out games, typically. Um, and I agree, though. Like, it, it's tough to realize, oh, I, maybe I don't need to run every best card because they're not actually that fun. Um, I mean, that's a huge... I think that's a huge moment for you. I mean, and it's not to say that that's a wrong thinking either, but we, we have another player in our group who just started, and he's kind of on that journey right now, I think, where it's like, he sees a lot of these cards and thinks, well, these are the cards I need. If I get them, I can win games, or I'll have a better chance, and ultimately, I, in my experience, that's not the case, typically. I think I think a better player with the cards, I, I, I do think that there's an equation, uh, there's an equation of the cards you enjoy playing within reason are going to win you more games because you you know how to play them and you're going to have fun playing them and and I don't know how that works when you put it in the into the into the calculator but for some reason I do feel like those fun cards win you more games because you enjoy playing them not necessarily because they're good well I'm just going to jump in here because sure. Aaron seems to be uh cut out I, I think to just to just put a to put a fine point on what I was saying Aaron and I have specifically talked about diminishing returns in specific cards we put in our decks. And so for instance, that Edgar Markov deck, when I built it out, the the original cost for it was around like $875. I mean, it was an absurdly expensive deck, way more expensive than it needed to be. And it had four or five tutors in it. I know it had Vampiric Tutor, it had Demonic Tutor, it had Enlightened Tutor. I mean, anything that I could put in it to try to get the deck as functional as possible. But what I realized is that the tutors aren't what makes the deck functional. And at a certain point, all these top level cards really get in the way of what a deck is trying to do and the synergies that you can have, you know, a a deck like Edgar Markov, I could replace three of those tutors, leaving the vampire tutor just because of the name and the cool art um, and throw three other vampires in there. And the deck functions, infinitely better i started zero and five with that deck and i think since then it's it's probably gone seven and ten i mean but those are all things that you learn and i am seeing the the newer player at the table kind of going through the same types of of learning moments that i've had even just recently and i think you have to go through it you know someone can tell you it but you don't really understand it until it's going on and i'm still in that place but i I'm just really enjoying where we're at with Magic Wise. The pod's in a great spot. I mean, it keeps growing. I think we're up to what ten guys on a rotating basis, eight or nine yeah. consistently. I mean, we're the table's in a great spot, and I think all of our decks right now are a lot of fun to play with and play against. I Except agree. for someone built a Christmas deck that it was absurdly unfair. But 
Um, other than that, Cody, <laughs> I, don't know, well, I know, and the, yeah. and the person playing it's also not very fun. So it's, I know it's really tough. It's a lot of I know no it's not fun, fun going on spiders, but come on. Uh, what about you, Bill? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, so I mean, we have all kind of gone on a, a heck of a journey. I mean, I went back and looked. So we started keeping track of season two back in May. And season two and then season three, which I don't know that we actually came to consensus if we're starting a new season here this week or if we're going to keep it running. Um, in any case, we got 142 games logged um, oh, since the second or third week of May. Um, That's wild. So that was pretty good. We got a lot of games in there. Um uh where i'm at with my decks is i i mean i'm a, in a little bit of a mixed point of like so i actually technically the deck is still together but i've dismantled jashiro um which was one of my first decks probably one of my better decks i mean one of the top three i guess um but i wanted some of the cards in there for kyler um i had gotten a card or two for christmas um a couple weeks ago that were specifically for kyler um and so i figured that it was probably time to just give kyler his due and actually you know take some of the cards that were in shiro and move them over um in there and also i just hadn't played it in a while um so shiro's dismantled um agar isn't dismantled but honestly i don't know that agar is going to stick around um he's my um is it so blue red um uh basically he's the engine i had it as a giant typo um it was a really fun deck really good um you basically control the board with burn spells until you can start just um dumping out giants onto the board and and win by combat um and then i decided because you get the benefit of drawing cards when you deal excess damage when you control either giants or wizards. Um, and so I switched it from a giant typo to a wizard typo. I played it a couple times, but honestly, like I had done that because I, I think my time with Agar had kind of run its course, and I don't know that switching it to wizards had made it any more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not really sure where I'm at with that. Um, so really, those two are kind of out of the rotation. Um, I've got Slimefoot, which I've really been enjoying, um, enjoying kind of toying with and and seeing if I can and speed up um, just to get it to keep up at the table. Um, and I think I've, I'm getting that in a pretty good spot. I actually just put my Tom Bombadil deck back into um, the deck box. Oh yeah, baby. That's oh, a yeah. tough one where I. I've started going through and figuring out what what sagas I want to uh, pull out of there to kind of speed it up a little bit because um, it just takes so much brain power to play. There's so many game mm-hmm. actions that take place, and so I want to try to simplify it because I I don't want my turns to be ten minutes turns unless I'm going to win the game um, because yeah. it feels bad to take up a ton of time in that. So that's something that I'm working with. It'll probably be a while before he actually hits the table. Um, but I put him back in my little deck box carrier. Um, otherwise, I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily limiting myself. I mean, the other deck that I have that I've really been enjoying is the, um, Pirates Precon from Ixalan. 
that um, mm-hmm. I put a few cards in. Honestly, it didn't need cards. It didn't need anything. Um, but I've I've put a couple of things in there. I've got a couple ideas for some stuff that maybe I'll do. But like honestly, it's a the Ixalan precons were tight deckless all around. I mean, there's a few cards that you can switch out, but it's just a fun deck to play to go and just, I mean, bring stuff out of your graveyard and they're four fours. And um, I, it's fun to have pirates just in general. Um, so I've been playing that. Um, I, I've got some ideas for decks that I might want to build, but I'm not in a rush. Like uh, really what I know is going to happen. Just looking at like the, Watsy's like release schedule for stuff coming up is um the outlaws at thunder junction or whatever the wild west yeah set is gonna be i know that there's gonna be something in there that that i want um and then same with the bloomborough set that comes out um this summer i believe um i know that there's probably gonna be something in there because it looks like Redwall on magic cards and like that's just the elementary and middle school Billy is just screaming like, "Hey, red wall and stuff." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, just, just like, see if you can Ouch. find the the Badger King or whatever, and and kind of make that happen. So, I'm leaving myself space to get excited about some of those, but I'm not really hunting. I mean, I'm toying with, you know, just to kind of fill the time. I'm I'm toying with a few deck ideas. I've got an idea for because as I was going through the remains of Shiro, I had a um. Renata, that's the mono green where her powers the your devotion to green and stuff. And so like yep. I'm putting together a deck list. If it's something where I've got the cards around, maybe I'll put it together just to play a few times just to see because I think it's interesting. But it's not something that's gonna stick around for that long or whatever. It's really just to kind of fill the time. But um yeah, I mean I'm not I I'm leaving myself room and I think that I have room for diversity of like um you know really like i had been looking at doing like a rakdos colored deck so red black or something along those lines or um somewhere in there so i'm just kind of leaving myself room for the inspiration of you know i know that there's a few sets even the the dusk morn um could have some really cool stuff that's supposed to be like 80s Mm -hmm. and 90s horror themed um cards um nice so that there's a lot of cool stuff coming out and we know that I, they're not going to slow down with the amount of legendary creatures that are available to both commanders. I mean, uh-huh. I, we're not that kind of podcast, but there's a lot of stuff that there, there's a little bit of the fatigue that comes along with it. But at the same time, it's also been kind of nice to just like with so many cards, it always feels like there's something new, even if it's not the new current thing. Like, I mean, if you don't pay attention to a ton of the social media and stuff, like you're fine. Yeah. I'm still finding stuff out of March of the machine that I'm like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. that's a sick commander or those yep. are some sick cards. And like even Lord of the rings, which was probably the set that I paid the most attention to out of anything. And like, there's still cards that I look at and it's like, God, do I remember reading that? That is, yep. that's cool. Yeah, and so totally. like, I, I think that, uh, it's it's really hard to keep up with but like also you don't have to keep up with every single thing just yeah, to keep absolutely. keep your stuff fresh you're playing a hundred cards at a time yeah well yeah well, i mean I, I know we're running a little bit long here but just to just to kind of book at it too 
Uh, you talked about the sets. Uh, being down to six decks and kind of going off like the power cards and stuff like that. Um, I've recently bought a few cards for my decks, and I think I'm finally at a point where... Uh, listen, I'm, I've been the first person to preach singles. I think it's the best way to play the game for anybody. Um, just because you're going to be able to make a better deck and you're going to save money. Um, but I, I think I'm finally to a point where I've bought so many singles and I've made so many decks that like it's kind of taken some of the joy out of Magic for me because all these cards are at my fingertips. Not on not on like what Nick is talking about, where it's like, yeah, anytime you decide you want a card for a deck, you just buy it. And I'm at a point where my decks, I think, are in pretty good places. Like I, I, I just bought a, a one ring. And I was telling Martin earlier, I was like, I don't even know where to put it. I don't, I don't know what deck to run it in. I don't even know if I want to run it. And so I'm, I'm actually, for my 2024, one of my things is actually I'm going to be buying more packs. Not, not to a point where I'm going to just be cracking packs all the time. But I, I think now that I have decks that Jeez, I'm going to try to in pull- a blanket made out of foil. <laughs> No, I just think that now that I have decks that are, I'm hopefully just going to maintain throughout the year, um, and I'm really trying to not fiddle with them so much. Like I might tweak them here and there, but like I don't need to try to optimize them. Um, and so I, I think I am going to just try to uh, kind of go into things with no expectations in the sets and just buy a couple collector packs here and there and just build a collection that I, it doesn't have to be functional. And uh, try to enjoy magic that way too, just because I've gone into it with so much purpose in terms of like how like utilitarianism, like how is this going to help my decks or whatever. And I don't think I have as many cards that like now I don't really go through my my collection and think about the cards that I have because all my cards were for something at one point. Um, and so it'll be kind of nice to just kind of casually accrue cards as a, as opposed to before it was sort of my mission to sniff out these cards I needed for these decks and building more decks and doing all that stuff. So cool. Um, well, unless you guys have anything else, I mean, we ran a little bit long, but it's the holiday extravaganza. I mean, we're kind of wrapping up a bunch of stuff. And so, you know, I think that hopefully now that we're through the holidays, you know, we had had some sick kids, uh, whatever, um martin decided he had to go to vegas and that really ruined everything for us recording you know hopefully we can get on a little bit more of a regular schedule and i mean martin has 13 decks for us to talk about um so so you know and i think that my ultimate goal is like we're going to talk about some of the decks that we're going to play but like maybe the next deck that i bring with up is tom bombadil because it's not a complete deck um and just kind of talking about some of that kind of stuff and and um you know we're gonna i think ultimately our goal as a group is to put forth both decks that are done that are in that really good spot and also some that aren't perfect that have room for improvement and just kind of you know talk about where those things come from because it's you know we don't know everything um aaron has memorized every card there is um but he he's the only one and so we we don't know everything and so i think that that's kind of our ultimate goal is to just kind of talk about some of that kind of stuff and where we're at on the deck building and and that and so you know we'll uh 
we'll just kind of keep going until we don't. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Cool. And with that, thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow us on the socials. Um, I mean, honestly, I haven't posted on Twitter for a while. I post some on threads. Um, we'll keep you updated on all that good stuff. Also, um, we got accepted onto Blue Sky, and then like three days later, I think that they're open to the public now. So that's the yep. new Twitter. I don't know, it was whatever. I also don't. I haven't quite figured that one out yet. Um, but uh, feel free to reach out if you have comments, questions, concerns, ideas, stuff that you'd like us to talk about. Um, I mean, honestly, uh, one thing that I've thought about is like having a user submitted deck for us to take a look at so if you've got a deck that you want us to take a look at we're more than willing we won't even make fun of you well we only make fun of martin um and so like you're you're safe you don't even have Unless to come on and talk to. to us we could we could write jokes for you um you don't even have to come on we can just talk about it and um or you know maybe there's potential for coming on We've got a bunch of new people in the pod, and so we're going to try to get some of them in on because everybody's on a little bit of a different journey um, with their experience. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Deck Picks Podcast. You can find us on social media at Deck Picks Pod, and you can find us on Moxfield under the same username, and we'll be posting links to this deck with all of our suggestions under the considering. Feel free to take a look, let us know, like, comment, subscribe, and thank you for spending time with us today.